Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 266 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Psalm 90 today and our focus is on how Karl Marx was a fool and biblical Christianity is not the opium of the people. Well, I guess that's a bit of a provocative title, I suppose. Maybe we're feeling spicy today. Well, we are a daily podcast where we shoot for around 10 or 12 or 13 minutes or so. And our goal is to dig into God's Word day by day, every day, at reading through at least a chapter of the Word of God and thinking about it, discussing it, seeking to understand it, and seeking to follow it. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so at our website, which is Bible2021.com. That's B-I-B-L-E 2021.com, or you can search for us on whatever podcast app you use. Allow me to open today with a quote from Karl Marx and a bit of a disclaimer. I disagree with Marx on just about every major philosophical tenet he is known for. Not a fan. Not even close to it. Nevertheless, he is the author of a famous dictum that you've probably heard before, and here is the fuller version of that quote. Religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of a heartless world, and the soul of soulless conditions. It is the opium of the people. The abolition of religion as the illusory happiness of the people is the demand for their real happiness. To call on them to give up their illusions about their condition is to call on them to give Give up a condition that requires illusions. The criticism of religion is, therefore, in embryo, the criticism of that veil of tears of which religion is the halo. Well, look, Marx is a highly intelligent man, is not a man of great clarity in his writing. But essentially what Marx is saying here is that religion has a sort of practical effect in society in that it dulls pain, it soothes people, and makes them feel better, much like opium does, but it is illusory. It's not real. It's not a cure. It's not a help. It's an illusion. Religion is an illusion, and therefore it doesn't make the common person's situation better. Indeed, as Marx later makes the case, religion probably makes things worse for the common people if their eyes are on heavenly-type goals rather than working hard for temporal and earthly-type gains. Well, in the face of Marx's claims that religion is a pain-killing drug that dulls the senses, I present biblical Christianity, and let's use Psalm chapter 90 as exhibit one against Marx's charge. Psalm 90 is a singular and startling psalm. For those who have grown up on a kind of sweet and saccharine Christianity that rarely makes use of the Bible, Psalm 90 in its description of God is really a little bit stunning. It begins normal enough. Moses, who is the author of this psalm, says that God has been the refuge of his people for generations and that God is God from eternity to eternity. So far, pretty normal. Uh, And we can tell reading through the psalm, Moses was quite the poet, it turns out. But beginning in verse 3, things take a bit of a turn. For it says, You return mankind to the dust, saying, Return, descendants of Adam, for in your sight a thousand years are like yesterday that passes by, like a few hours of the night. You end their lives, they sleep. They are like grass that grows in the morning. In the morning it sprouts and grows, by evening it withers and dries up. What's Moses saying here? 
Well, he's saying that God ends the lives of humans and determines their time of death. Uh, Wow. Further, that humanity is like fragile and unwatered grass that dies in a day. In other words, humans live for a very brief time and then they die like withered in brown grass. Well, let me ask you, are you feeling that sweet, sweet rush of morphine yet? That illusionary pleasure that religion is supposed to provide us? No? Well, me neither. Let's keep going. Surely it gets better and more encouraging and, you know, more pain-killing, more like opium, right? And no, it doesn't. It gets darker and grimmer, beginning in verse 7. For we are consumed by your anger. We are terrified by your wrath. You've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence, for all our days ebb away under your wrath. We end our years like a sigh. Our lives last 70 years, or if we are strong, 80 years. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass quickly and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger? Your wrath matches the fear that is due you. Look, among all the people that ever lived, aside from Jesus, a strong argument could be made that Moses knew God better and closer than anybody else in history. After his death, for instance, the Bible gives us this epithet about Moses in Deuteronomy 34, verse 10. No prophet has arisen again in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unparalleled for all the signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do against the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh, to all his officials, and to all his land, and for all the mighty acts of power and terrifying deeds that Moses performed in the sight of all of Israel. Well, that's pretty strong. When Moses talks about God, we should listen. And in this psalm, Moses is going to tell us about God's wrath, his anger, and his utter opposition to sin. Who understands the power of God's anger, asks Moses, noting that God's wrath should rightly inspire fear in humans. Now, again, I ask, does this seem like a kind of religion that offers fake happiness and pleasantries? I don't think so. And the end of verse 10 further strengthens the case against Mark when, Mark's when Moses notes that even the best of our years have like plenty of struggle and sorrows and our years pass by so quickly which is honestly something I'm noticing more and more as I get older. I think this psalm pretty convincingly puts down Marx's claim that Christianity, at least, is a religion of fake pleasures. There may be preachers that peddle it falsely as such, but neither the Word of God nor the Son of God gives us something that can be compared rightly to a drug that brings pleasure and dulls pain. Now that said, is Psalm 90 just hopeless? The guy who knows God best basically saying that he is to be feared and he's angry and he ends the lives of humans? Well, no. Understand, there are psalms that talk about God's loving kindness and his compassion, and psalms like this that talk about God's anger against sin. And the thing is, this psalm does indeed end in a hopeful way and on a hopeful note, but not on like an artificially sweetened kind of morphine hopeful way. Moses asks a question and then pleads, Lord, how long? 
Turn and have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your faithful love so that we may shout with joy and be glad all of our days. That's verses 13 through 14. How long will we suffer, Lord? Have compassion on us. Satisfy us in the morning with your faithful loving kindness, he says, and let us again shout for joy. It's a wonderful prayer. It's one worthy of being written down on the front page of your Bible or taped to your bathroom mirror. Is Moses under the influence in this psalm of a morphine-like amount of joy when he penned this psalm? No. Obviously, he's going through an incredible time of trouble and pain, and yet he knows who God is and that God will turn and have compassion on his people, that he will satisfy his people with his faithful love, and that they will walk in shouts of joy again. Well, finally, Moses closes with a prayer of longing and hope. Let the favor of the Lord, our God, be on us. Establish for us the work of our hands. Establish the work of our hands. That's verse 17. Look, no artificial sweeteners here. No morphine like Kai here. Just the genuine prayer of a man in distress who knew God best. Let's go ahead and read the whole psalm together. This is Psalm chapter 90, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our refuge in every generation. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from eternity to eternity, you are God. You return mankind to the dust, saying, Return, descendants of Adam. For in your sight, a thousand years are like yesterday that passes by like a few hours of the night. You end their lives. They sleep. They are like grass that grows in the morning. In the morning it sprouts and grows. By evening it withers and dries up. For we are consumed by your anger. We are terrified by your wrath. You've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days ebb away under your wrath. We end our years like a sigh. Our lives last 70 years, or if we're strong, 80 years. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass quickly and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger? Your wrath matches the fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. That's so good, I'm going to read it twice. Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. Lord, how long? Turn and have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your faithful love so that we may shout with joy and be glad all our days. Make us rejoice for as many days as you have humbled us, for as many years as we have seen adversity. Let your work be seen by your servants and your splendor by their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be on us. Establish for us the work of our hands. Establish the work of our hands. Amen. Well, we close out with our Bible memory verse for the month of September, which is 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, and it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Amen. Well, friends, we don't have a opium-like religion, but we do have a God who is good and mighty and holy and a consuming fire. May that comfort you and make you afraid in the good kind of fear of God way. He is good. 
He is holy. Good day to you and Godspeed.